Welcome back to the podcast. We are all back together again in one room. My name is Chris Knight. I have sitting at the table with me Angie Brenneman, Dustin Evie, yes. and Brant Nine. And we are excited to be in the same house again. It's been a while, guys. Thanks for carrying uh, the load here, Brant, uh, sitting behind the soundboard while I was gone in Florida for a while. What a crummy experience that was. Mm. Great people that I got to hang out with, but the weather in Florida, mm. It wasn't ho- nice like and hot. Like mid 60s. Yeah, mid 60s, yeah. cloudy, mm. windy, mm. just not. Mm. Mm. I think it's all over the country because, like, I'm flying out to North Carolina today, and guess what? It says like 48, and it's supposed to be 50 tomorrow here. I'm like, come on. Like, this is weird. Yeah, it's bad when you actually go away and you look back home and everybody's loving the weather and you're where you're at hating it. So, yeah. Well, that's not why we're here. Uh, We are here today uh, to kick off really a little bit of a new segment of this podcast. Uh, For the next seven weeks, we're in a series here at our church called Engage. And we decided for the podcast, it would be worth us stopping and just talking about each of these topics uh, that we're talking about on Sunday mornings a little bit further in the conversation. So uh, if you're a part of our church, then continue the conversation from Sunday with us. If you're not a part of our church, you're welcome to always look back at our website, take a look at the sermon series uh, that we're in. You can watch it on YouTube. You can track with us through this series. Uh, But we think Engage is critical to the church today, not just WalkEMC, but to the church in general. So we kicked off Sunday with uh, the first message about having a one. Somebody talk to us about what it means to have a one. Well, I think we can be reminded that it's not a word out there that's saying, well, just one thing. It's actually kind of a investment in relationship. It's about a relationship with somebody, and it could be totally somebody that you are living life with that you don't um, have really, I guess you could say, an intention to do anything but have relationship with that one person. And I think Jesus was all about this in the scriptures, and that's kind of where we're um, touching today. Right, and this, uh, specifically looking at a couple of those stories of when we're talking about the one, I mean, when the, the different examples of going and looking out for the one, right? The, the lost sheep, uh, the lost coin, you know, these different parables and stories of the importance of, of the one. And I think that kind of drives us to this idea, like you were just talking about, Angie, of that relationship with the one. So it's, as we look today at ourselves, who are we in relationship with? Who are we in contact with? those people who maybe don't have a relationship with Jesus that we can surround ourselves with. And as somebody being in ministry, you know, it's it's easy to not be in those positions where we are around people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. So that challenge of constantly looking for ways to be in contact with those people who don't have a relationship with Jesus and how we can be an example for them, but also not just look just to try to win them over, but more really truly build a relationship with those people. Right. And like we, like I said, it is about the relationship. It's not about the end result. And in the end, we want them to know Jesus, like definitely. But I think there's another side of the one, too. It's also bringing people with you who are growing in Christ, too. Not just people who don't know Christ, but also having a one that you're developing relationship with and kind of bringing into maturity, I guess you could say, so that they can um, soon have a one. And it's kind of a, a dual um, relationship there, both people who are not Christians, but also people who are growing in their faith as well. Yeah, I think one of the interesting words for me that sticks out is the word intentional. Uh, living intentional and, and living our lives in general with intentionality is 
really important. But when you come to our spiritual life and what we're actually called to do, we are called to live intentionally. And I think that's where the church sometimes falls apart. We go through the motions. We show up to church. We see church as a consumer good, don't we? We, we come to experience this. This is a benefit that I'm taking. We forget that we're actually called to something, and that is a ministry, a mission field. Uh, so living intentionally. You know, when I look through the Bible, there's a lot of characters in the Bible that I, I'm grateful are there because it gives me hope uh, that I didn't have to always live the perfect life. Uh, there's times I fail. Uh, I fall short, and uh, when I read Scripture and I, I read some of these characters, I'm grateful for people uh, that, that are the same. We've talked about Samson recently, talked about David in the past. Um, this week, I, I took a look at the, the book of Matthew and actually the calling of Matthew. Uh, Matthew's quite a character. Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew wasn't very well liked. Uh, picture your modern-day IRS agent. <laughs> this is somebody that probably we didn't didn't care for very much. But this was a uh, what they would refer to as a disreputable person or a sinner in uh, in back in in Jesus' day. Yeah, I do think we have to remember that he was Jewish. So he was kind of not liked by his own people. I think that's a key point, too. It's not just somebody who's looking as a tax collector to, from, that worked. He he was a Jewish man who worked for the Roman Empire. So he was hated by the his own people. And I think that's a whole other perspective of who he was. And I I also think that, and I, and I don't want to go past this, is that when we talk about these people in our lives, these relationships, is that Jesus had eyes to see Matthew for who he was and who he is inside. I think we, as broken people, have almost this, I guess, cloudy glass that we look through that we see all the, the tax collector, the person we don't like, the person who's working for somebody that you know is hurting us, and all the negatives that we see in people, whether it's a bad relationship or um, you know negative attitudes or whatever it is, people that have hurt us, we see all that. Jesus sees past that, and that's the whole story start here is that Jesus sees Matthew for somebody he loves and cares for. And that's a change for me, like how to see somebody is that they, I have to like them, you know, and yet I sometimes struggle with like, but Jesus just plain loves people. Yeah. We live in a world where it's very easy to see status and not mm -hmm. story. And I mm -hmm. think we so quickly will look at, you know, number of likes or followers on mm -hmm. somebody's just social media page before we actually know anything about who that person actually is or what they've been through or any of their experiences or anything like that. And that's why, I mean, scripture is so revealing and I love the way Jesus interacts with people. And it's so, it's awesome, but it's so incredibly convicting at the same time because I know that the way he looks at people and how he approaches people in relationship intentionally, even with their past and how I do that in my own life is it's very telling. And I saw so, there's so much to learn. And specifically in this example of the story of Matthew, the calling of Matthew, that I think we can all learn and take away from. Mm -hmm. I think something that you mentioned on Sunday, Chris, was the unwritten stories or the stories yet to be written. And I think about um, just how we, our stories at one point were not written and how things had to happen for our stories to be written. And it could have happened with a grandfather or it could have happened with a mother, or it could have happened, you know, with us. And for me, it was, I was a one, I was somebody who um, needed somebody else to intentionally invest in me. 
um, to see the value beyond the mistakes, to see, uh, to, to love me the way Jesus loves me uh, versus judging my actions at the time. Um, and I'm, I'm so grateful that I have a story now that points to Jesus because somebody saw me as, as worthy of being intentional with and discipling. Matthew 9. Let me set the stage. Matthew 9, Jesus is walking past Matthew while he's collecting taxes. And he says to him simply this, hey, f- follow me. Matthew sets it aside, gets up, walks away, follows him. I, I, wanna, I want us to think through the lens of what it would be like to have been one of Jesus's disciples already mm. in that mix. And so they're excited. They're hanging out with Jesus. Jesus is doing some pretty cool things. And they're kind of the, the people in the back, the hype guys, right? I, that's kind of how I picture this. It's not written in scripture. That's kind of how I picture it. They're the hype guys. They're like, man, this is awesome. I, I can picture this. Uh, Jesus doing cool things. Yeah, we're hanging with Jesus. This is, you know, he's, yeah, we're with him. We're with him. Yeah. And then they invite, Jesus invites Matthew. Can you imagine what that crowd would have been like? What those guys would have been like? What are you Jesus, doing? What? <laughs> what? Why him? <laughs> what? Of all the people, of seriously, of all the people right here, you chose him? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Uh, you know, we, we get to that point. I joked about a little bit on Sunday uh, in the presidential elections, and uh, this is not getting political, okay? But the common phrase around is, really of all the people in our world is this really the best we can come up with mm-hmm. uh i uh i gotta think that's kind of how these guys felt mm-hmm. 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 but i i i think too they not only thought jesus why him they were like, I don't think I can work with that guy. I can just see that's somebody that I would, you know, say, I'm, <laughs> he's, he's got the negative um, vibes coming from him. People don't like him. How in the world is he going to follow Jesus, who is this guy that we know has the, the story to tell? And so I agree. Like a lot of times social norms, Jesus breaks them. He, he just Ma- shatters them. Matthew had riches. Um because as a result of oppressing his people and having to walk alongside of somebody like that, that would be a challenge. I can, I can empathize, I guess, sympathize probably is a better word. I can sympathize with the other disciples feeling that way because man, I wouldn't want to walk beside someone who played a part in oppressing our people. Right. Yeah. I think there would have been some like frustration as to why, why this guy, but then there also would have been maybe even some confusion like towards Jesus of like, okay, we don't get why he chose him, but like, are we, do you guys think there was any maybe trust issues in there with the disciples and Jesus after, I mean, he calls Matthew of like, what, like, what are we, okay, what's going on? Like, what are we actually doing here now that he's calling a guy like Matthew? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) What does it say about me? Right. Have you ever stopped to really think about, like, why did the religious people not celebrate this? Because hmm. it's everything that they thought was wrong about a person he represented. Yeah, I just, I think, you know, we should look at this. I mean, the religious people, obviously, they didn't react quite like we would have thought they should have because they got really critical with Jesus hanging out with Matthew's friends, uh, the other sinners. Um, but the, the church should look at this as a win, but that's not always our tendency. We see this as, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. 
Well, I think it's kind of cool because I have to say, I'm going to give it up to Matthew because the first thing he does is he invites somebody else to come with him to Jesus. He's, he's that real that he, he knows that something's about it, that Jesus is different. And what does he do? He throws a party and he invites his friends right after he meets them. <coughs> yeah. Can you imagine the way the disciples felt at that party? Because they were there as well, right? And so the disciples and, and Matthew's friends, who many of them were tax collectors too, probably, or, you know. And so now you're all sitting around the same table. That's a... I do, I do like how it says party because I can't imagine them being like sitting there with like little hats being very excited. Hey, you want to talk, calling no. it a party. You talk about politics. That's like inviting a bunch of Democrats and Republicans to sit around the table together and have a meal and talk through things. Talk through things. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So some of the takeaways uh, from this story about seeing people as Jesus sees people uh, that I pointed out, one was not looking past people. I think we have a tendency to look past somebody that we don't like to see. I used an illustration on Sunday um, about being in Washington, D.C. and having a lot of people stop and ask for money and and kind of panhandlers, homeless folks. Uh, And I got to the point where I was just ignoring them. I'd walk past. I wouldn't even make eye contact with them. I I was actually, to be quite honest, getting annoyed. I just wanted. I'm here with my family. I just want to get. I want to get from point A to point B. I want to enjoy this time. Stop. Just stop. And uh, I can remember a time when my daughter finally said to me, as she had had it. She goes, "Dad, listen. I, it's not about having to give him money or anything, but just would you just identify that he even exists?" And I thought, "Oh my word." We do. We have a tendency to do that. We look past people. Like, I don't even see you right now. I don't want to see you right now. Don't we do that in our culture with people that maybe we disagree with or we don't like? We tend to just write them off and look past them. How do we, how do we start to fix that? <coughs> well, I want to share a story, too, because I know my um, heart was convicted. Growing up in a Western culture here, like you said, we kind of ignore people who make us uncomfortable. Like poverty makes us uncomfortable. Um, You know, somebody who believes different, maybe looks a little bit different, maybe dresses a little bit different, makes us uncomfortable. And I guess God kind of ripped that um, (coughs) mentality from me that it's not about comfortability. It's really about seeing people for how he sees them when I went to India because um, the beggars and the people who are in poverty who are living on the streets and the things around you feel like like you just want to put blinders on because it's so overwhelming it's not just like i mean around here in elkhart you can drive and you can see homeless people you know you can see those things and we so often ignore them and i think we have to as christians see each person is valued that's the whole idea god so loved the world it's not just he loves the people who dress a certain way and i just that's a challenge to me. If it makes me uncomfortable, is it my problem? Probably more me and where my heart is than, um, than that person. And Jesus needs to work on me. And so anyways, that was something that really um, was moving to me yeah. in that area. I think one word comes to mind and it's inconvenience. I think you kind of alluded to it as well is we have an agenda. Uh, we have our will that we want to be done. And uh, because of the busyness and the hurry in our life, um, it's, it's hard to stop and, and acknowledge hurting people, um, 
because we we have things that we want to get done and things that we want to accomplish. And a lot of times, I don't know about you guys, but I wake up and it's hard for me to pray your will be done today because that means my schedule has to be willing to be disrupted. And I have a whole checklist of things that I want to get done. But if we're going to be intentional with the people around us, if we're going to acknowledge that they even exist, then we have to, we can't just pray your will be done and not be willing to adjust our schedules when need be. I like that you kind of hit on that, the whole idea of the inconvenience thing. Because when you look at the different examples from scripture, how many times when Jesus is teaching, are there interruptions, you know, from people Mm -hmm. or there he, he specifically intentionally stops, you know, when the disciples probably just want to keep going or get to their, you know, get to the next thing. And it's just such a good example and just such a good teaching thing for us, uh, you know, just in our everyday lives of how many times are we walking right past situations that, you know, there could be <coughs> an impact could be made if we just took the time, you know, if we actually looked at, the, you know, whether it's a situation or a person differently than what we do every day. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things you said on Sunday and is in here in your notes, just because um, we see somebody different or we, we need to love somebody through something doesn't mean that we change who we are and who God's called us to be, that we still have an understanding of God's truth, good theology, good moral standards, but you're loving somebody through something that's um, whether it's an experience or something that they're struggling with. And so I just say it's not like letting go of what we believe in. Yeah, I think for some reason we think if we are intentional about connecting with people who don't know Jesus, it must mean that we're not living theologically mm-hmm. sound or moral or standard mm-hmm. by any kind of right. standards. And I don't understand why that is. Uh, I don't know how we got to that point because it's actually exactly what Jesus did. You know, Jesus had compassion for people. He didn't have judgment for people. He he had judgment for the religious people, but he had a lot of compassion for people who didn't equate or he didn't look past people but he 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 loved them he had Mm -hmm. compassion i'd love to see us in our culture get to that point but uh i think we struggle there yeah Mm -hmm. kyle adaman's book one at a time um in one of his chapters he's talking about the woman caught in adultery and how the women or the the religious leaders drug the woman out and basically threw her before jesus and and were questioning him about what to do with her And, you know, he goes on and tells that story, Um, but he also brings up another story about his friend, Pastor Matt Chandler, and about how Matt was talking about uh, being a fisherman, uh, excuse me, not a fisherman, a freshman in Bible college and becoming friends with a young single mom with a rough past named Kim. And she didn't know Jesus, but Matt and some of his buddies were beginning to share their faith with her, and they invited her to a Christian concert. And after the band played, a preacher went on stage and announced that he would be talking about sex. He held up a beautiful rose and said, this, is, this rose is perfect. It smells amazing. Everybody needs to see, touch, and smell this rose. And then he tossed it into the crowd. And as it was passed around, as the preacher spoke in an angry tone about sexual sin, at the end of his sermon, he invited the person holding up the rose to bring it up on the stage. And the rose was, of course, it was broken, and, and uh, the petals and the leaves had all fallen off. And the preacher said, now who wants a rose like this? It's been passed around. Everybody's touched it. It's no longer a pure rose. Who would want a rose like this? And he concluded by saying, nobody wants a rose like this. And obviously that's disappointing, right, to hear Mm -hmm. that. A week or two later, Matt hadn't seen Kim in his class, and he worried about her, and he left a few messages, and eventually he got a call from Kim's mom letting him know that Kim, Kim had been in a bad accident and was in the hospital. 
And when Matt went to see her in the hospital, they talked for a few moments. But in the middle of the conversation, she blurted out this question. Do you think I'm a dirty rose? And Matt said his heart sank. And he began to explain to her that the heart of the gospel is that Jesus wants that rose. And filled with compassion, Jesus, when, in referring to the, the woman caught in adultery, Jesus let the woman standing in front of him know that she was not defined by her sin. She wasn't the worst thing that she had ever done. She wasn't worthless because of what she had done. Her worth was based on God's love for her. If she was defined by her sin, it would make sin the ultimate power and authority. But God is the ultimate power and authority, and she was defined by his love. And we so often forget that when, when we're um, in contact with people or when we're, we're uh, talking about decisions others have made or we see mistakes that are being made. And it's so easy for us to just say, you know, judgmental things or view them in a negative light. But we don't, we don't often, as Christians, live with compassion. And, and Kyle talks about compassion as not just feeling a certain way, but doing something because that's what Jesus did. Um, I'm going to flip the script and talk about it from a different perspective. So here Jesus is. He goes and hangs out with these sinners. This, they're at a dinner party, and the Pharisees come in, and what, is, what do they say? Why are you eating dinner with this? And he, they use the word scum in some of the um, <coughs> translations. I'm going to take this perspective that when you said, this is one of your points, be willing to be misunderstood. Mm. Okay, this isn't being willing to be misunderstood by the person you're sitting and having dinner with, like Matthew. Mm -hmm. It's being willing to be misunderstood by the Pharisees that are coming into your life saying, why are you doing this? Why are you eating with this scum? And Jesus says to them, because I come for those who know they are sick, that actually know that they're sinners. And he, he totally addresses the issue saying, I'm not here for the healthy people or the people who think they're righteous. I'm here because somebody is self-aware and knows that they need me. And that's the kind of people I'm going to go into relationship with. And I think we get so stuck in this realm. I'm sorry. This is one thing is that we get stuck being around people that look just like us. Yeah. And we get so afraid that the people like us will be misunderstanding us if we go and we make a step out that's uncomfortable, different. And those, this is where we have to be willing to be misunderstood. Right. Because if, we, if we're not willing to be misunderstood, we'll never disciple other people. Never. And, it, and we'll never walk in those places. We'll disciple people who look like us. Yeah. 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 Yeah, this is a hard one for me. Uh, when I when I jotted this one down in my notes, uh, this was a hard. This is a hard area for pastors. Uh, we feel I, I'm going to speak for the general population of pastors. I think we feel this tension between living into the world, you know, and, and engaging the world, uh, but also pleasing the people who come into our church. Mm -hmm. That's a hard balance. Oh, it's because people have an opinion on where you should be, what you should do, how you should go about your day. Uh, but I don't feel like Jesus lived that same mm -hmm. way. He didn't really care what the religious folks thought he went where the mission field was was present mm -hmm. i think this is a challenge mm -hmm. why dustin do you feel any of this do you have you ever sensed any of this or, or what do you how do you think about this idea of being misunderstood yeah no it's 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 really hard because i mean trying to like you just talked about the idea of that of that balance of wanting to live in our everyday world around around people of all 
backgrounds of all experiences and and be the same be the same person to everybody but also know that there are you feel like in ways that you're under a microscope and that people are watching you and that people will make these judgments about who you know who you spend your time with and what you do and that sometimes I, I feel like you can feel that pressure more than for me the conviction of, of going and living out the mission which is which is really humbling to me as well but that when you made that that point on Sunday the whole idea of be willing to be misunderstood that was one that really stuck with me because I was like man like there won't be like change won't be made unless we're willing to take those risks you know in our own lives of of saying again it's not us that's doing the changing but it, we are the ones that have to be willing to take those risks in our lives to be surround ourselves and be around those people you know uh, where there's it's going to be easy to be misunderstood and that we have to be okay with that mm. how could you be a public school teacher in today's world how could you um coach in today's world you know there's so many there's so many times i've been asked like um oh you like their wife your pastor's wife like works in a public school system that that must be a challenge because it's a sec it's a secular world and so i think there's so there's this idea that we have to separate ourselves from that entirely but actually jesus calls mm -hmm. us to do something completely different angie yeah, right a hundred percent we're supposed yeah. to be and, and you've said Light this so many times mm -hmm. in the world not of the world mm -hmm. yeah i just think about light and darkness so you can't see light very well it's not as piercing when the sun is out and how um it kind of in the daylight but when it comes to the dark i'm i'm all about candles i like candles i like mm -hmm. that that light so that, dustin yeah but it just <laughs> pierces and it changes the environment mm -hmm. and the only way that happens is if you have to be there you have to turn on the light you have to be part of it mm -hmm. and darkness will be well, i mean have you heard this like darkness doesn't technically exist right right it's just the yeah. absence of light. light and and to that evil doesn't really exist I it's just the absence of truth and light mm -hmm. truth and light right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. but i do think and i and i only say this is that a lot of times we get stuck when you say this is so hard because we are naturally people pleasers we want to do what's right we want to see we want to walk in obedience right we want to have this um this uh, you know i guess you could say healthy peaceful relationships in our lives you know we want that but what if we look at Jesus and we see, I mean, Dan, Dan uh, and I just talked about this last week. How did he actually deal with the church? Um, he actually flipped tables and had some interesting, hard conversations. Mm -hmm. And I say this is that we have to be willing to be misunderstood, f to see that maybe our mission doesn't look like what maybe we 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 see this peaceful loving caring that it's it's actually the hard thing mm. and going in having that hard conversation this is such an oxymoronic position all right so let me just rant for a second <laughs> okay because now i'm fired up let's go all right so here's the deal we love it 
when we can bring somebody on stage and talk about life transformation. We love it. We love the stories of Teen Challenge coming. I was this, and now I'm that. I was this. And then, and, and then our folks just applaud. We love that. Oh, it's so great to see people transform their life. But if you say to them, I was hanging out in a bar having a conversation with somebody who didn't know Jesus, it'd be like, why are you there? It's like we want people to have a life change, but we're not willing to go and help them make that life change. And this is what I think is happening. I think we look at pastors as they ought to be um, the ultimate authority in how to do some things. Like they've risen to the professional ranks now, and that means they must sit behind their desk and write a sermon to tell everybody how to just live good lives. But in reality, pastors ought to be the practitioners of this. We Mm. ought to be the one out on the mission field going and pulling in the walking wounded to the emergency room to get the help that they need. But somehow, religious folks take a look at this and go, oh, I can't believe you were there. I can't believe you were this. What if we're just, you got to be careful. What if we're just living on mission? Right. Mm-hmm. And just remembering where we have all come from, I, you know, remembering our own story. And I think until sometimes we look internally, kind of look at the mirror and be like, wow, like what, look at how much God has brought me through. And now to be able to look at somebody else and be like, you know what, like, <laughs> God can do exactly for them what he's what he's done for me. And it goes back, and I don't want to make this an awkward transition, but as you guys are talking about being the light and like what that looks like, I think that could be something as simple as one of the other points you made, just about being a good listener and friend. And I think sometimes we feel like we always have to say the right thing or we've got to push them in the right direction, but maybe it's honestly just sitting and listening, and they just need somebody to hear them. You know, they just want somebody to listen to what they have to say, even if you don't agree with them. I mean, even if you can just sit there you can listen and that they know that you are someone that they can come to and that they can talk with because they don't feel like they can go to anybody else because they feel like they're going to be judged. And that is a world that we live in today where we are very, and that's another point that you made is just, we are very, very quick to judge whether we do it outwardly with our words or inwardly with our hearts. We are very quick to judge. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that is as believers for us to truly be that example that Jesus was. I mean, we have to be willing to just listen to people and talk with them. What if, uh, let me wrap up this, this podcast. What if, what if the church made a shift in its mind? The church being, this is not just walking MC, this is the church in general. What if followers of Jesus made a shift in their mind to take seriously the opportunity to live in relationship with people who do not know Jesus or are not walking with Jesus, what difference would it make? Can you imagine, I think I threw out this statistic, like <coughs> what if 50% of our crowd mm. did this? The impact would be incredible. Mm. But what it takes is a willingness to engage. Mm-hmm. I think um, what you were saying too, Dustin, and what you're saying engaging, it is engaging in that relationship. And that's the whole idea. We are in it for the relationship you are listening to that friend. You are investing, engaging in that relationship without any expectation. It's not about telling everybody yeah. they're wrong. Right. It's about saying, help me understand. I, I mentioned this on Sunday. The, the One of my favorite things in premarital counseling is this line that comes out in this assessment and says, we are all a set of circumstances. You are marrying a set of circumstances. Every one of us have a background. Every one of us have a story. Every one of us has a history. Every one of us has things we're good at, things we're bad at. Taking time to understand where somebody has been, where they're coming from, and help them get to Jesus is critical.
cycle. So friend, here, here's the challenge. Uh, I, I ask you, begin to pray for a one in your life. Take seriously the idea of not looking past somebody, but living with compassion and not judgment. Looking past the label that they may have, that uh, culture says is not up to speed with where you're living. Uh, Take time to listen. Take time to communicate. Take time to pray. Uh, Take time to be willing to be misunderstood by your friend group for the cause and the sake of Christ and the impact in somebody else's life. Take time to pray. Here's one thing I know. When the Lord uh, hears us pray for opportunities, I am committed to this belief. He is faithful to give us those opportunities. And I think when you take those opportunities seriously, you will see God move in a way in your life and use you in a way in your life you may never have experienced before. So with that, our friends, we wrap up another episode here at At Home, the podcast. And we're glad that you do take this time to join us. If you ever have questions, you want to have conversations with us, reach out to us here at Walker Missionary Church. We would love to, to hear from you. We'd also love to help you on your journey with Jesus in any way possible. Until next time, we wish you all grace and peace that's found in Jesus Christ. <laughs>